Episode 42 of the Khoisaris podcast. I convinced them all to come back. I don't know how. Maybe it's because Spurs won. I don't know what happened. But they're all back now. Uh, we got the whole whole crew back with us to wrap up what was a pretty disappointing and forgettable season. Try as best as we may to forget this season. 22-23, good riddance. Spurs finish with a 4-1 win away at Leeds, which effectively relegates Leeds United back to championship. Um, the same scoreline that we actually started the season with, which was a 4-1 win against Southampton, and then a bunch of bad football in between those two games. So, Ben, how do you feel? It's finally over. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that that's how you got us all on. It's because the season's over. It's not the win. It's the uh, – we don't have to, to keep – Thinking about <laughs> the rest of the games, we still have to get through before the right. off season is finally here. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I was happy to get a win. It doesn't really matter that much, to be honest. Uh, was it is it Villa that that the uh, the Europa conference league? Yeah, Villa beat Brighton two one, and uh, once they won, our result didn't matter. Right. Still, it was nice to nice to get a W there on the last game of the season. Um, it was nice to see Basuma again two two games in a row. Him looking good, so I'm kind of excited to see him next year. Um, you know, I obviously a lot of the attention has been on our um, looking for a manager and 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 prioritizing that apparently instead of a, a director of football. Um, and I think that's going to continue throughout the next. I mean, who knows how long? I guess we heard about. Um, how do you pronounce his name? And you say Ang Postoglu? Does anybody know have a good pronunciation on that one? I'm not going to learn it until he, he's holding until he's... Until there's a meme of, of with Poach with his arm around his shoulder saying new manager signing. <laughs> right. not gonna, yeah. I'm not going to waste my time learning too much about managers. I've learned my mistake from two summers ago. Right. But I know that that's that's the hottest name out there right now. Um, we'll see if how, how long this actually takes. And again, if there is an incoming director of football, what's going on? Our club just seems like a mess, I'll say. So overall, I'm I'm glad the season is over. Um, I I'm I can't say I'm looking forward to what's coming next so much as I wish it would happen so we can reflect on it rather than having this constant uh, you know us trying to guess what the hell's going to happen when I don't think anybody, including Levy himself, knows what's going to happen. So I don't know. We shall see. Well, for those of you keeping score, uh, last time we sacked Jose, it took us 72 days to hire the manager. Conte was sacked 65 days ago. So we're 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 right there. We're real close. We're um, gonna re up a point Nuno here in just like a week. <laughs> well, I guess Jesse, you made the joke about not even bothering to learn how this guy's name is pronounced, um, which is probably not really that much of a joke. But thinking about how much of a shambles our front office seems to be, thinking about what happened two years ago when we went through, I think, nine different names before we settled on Nuno. What is your approach to this summer uh, as a fan? And, like, what do you anticipate even comes next? Uh, you know, what I was going to say and what I'll actually do aren't always the same. I think, you know, last summer I said I wasn't going to pay as much attention in the summer and just kind of take a little bit of, of time away from the the rumors and all those sort of things last year was more with who we'd signed, but then we had a freaking terrific early summer, at least on paper. It was like, wow, we'd signed five, six players by the time that, you know, any other club had had like one. And it was like, wait, we finally changed our ways. Stupid. 
Um, that was dumb of me to b- try to believe that. But yeah, I think like just just the the saga of a couple summers ago that that ultimately you know at least at the moment landed us Nuno. I don't want to do that again. Of just like oh great, I'm talking myself into Gattuso. We got so excited previously about this guy and that guy, and then and nothing nothing ultimately ended up happening. So. Um, you know, it does get exciting to watch the, like, here's how this, this manager will bring his tactics to Spurs, but I don't want to get myself hurt in the summer. Spurs hurt me enough during the season that they don't need to hurt me during the summer as well. So I'll keep an eye on things, but I, I don't think that the, uh, the Coys subreddit is going to be in the, in the, in my top three most recent or most visited throughout the summer. Um, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to keep an eye on it. I think obviously, uh, manager, director of football being the bigger, um, hires than uh than what what players because definitely we need some new players but i i feel like a lot of the talent provided that we they keep our, our attack and midfield and people get healthy um you know is is a lot better off it's just all in that that back line i'm more excited to see people leaving more so than than who's coming in so i was gonna say to your point though also of uh the 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 ups and downs of all the transfer uh, rumor mill stuff that we, we always get every summer. And then we had our, our crazy, you know, protracted coach search. This summer is going to be ridiculous because we've already had a protracted coach search and a director of football search. We've already had the ups and downs of like, oh, we're going to get Nagelsmann? No. Oh, we're going to get uh, – is Poach coming back? No, he's going to Chelsea. There's already been so much drama, and we literally just ended the season like two days ago. This summer is going to be stupid. I mean, unless something – changes really quickly. I don't see how it's not going to be, you know? I mean, yeah, I was going to say like Jesse raises a good point about kind of taking a break from it all. I think. Good luck with that. You know, I was, I was, <laughs> I was making, the, I was making the point in one of my group chats with a bunch of the uh, DC Spurs guys that I was kind of saying like, you know, we're such a mess right now and we don't have any games to worry about for at least the next two to three months. Like I feel like focusing on what Spurs aren't doing is just going to end up giving you, getting you more and more frustrated. Like this is the perfect opportunity to take a break from thinking about Spurs because quite frankly, nothing's going to happen until it happens. Right. Unless I see it on Fabrizio Romano's Twitter page, like, I'm not I'm not really getting myself too concerned about the rumors, particularly because, you know, the sad truth is that I, I, I don't have any confidence in our front office. I don't really think that they have any idea what they're doing. And so every rumor I hear, I take with a, like a huge grain of salt because I'm like, is this really happening? Is this like just a PR stunt? Is this something that journalists are just making up? Is this ITK nonsense? And you know, thinking about what happened two years ago, it's just like, I'm not really trying to go through the merry-go-round. But Jesse also raised the point about last summer and kind of how we were able to get a lot of those signings in early. And I know we talked at the beginning of this previous season about the incomings and who we were looking at. And so just to kind of run through who we picked up last summer, Richarlison, Fraser Forster on a free... Ivan Perisic on a free, got Basuma from Brighton, long lay on a loan, signed Jed Spence after what felt like all summer. Destiny Udogi came in and was loaned back out. And then we made Romero's loan permanent. So thinking about that list, thinking about the season that we just had, 
I want to pose this question to Kim. How do you look at last year's transfer window in retrospect now having seen these players with Spurs for an entire year? Not so great, honestly. Um, Then that's not to say that the players are not decent players, but I mean, yeah, we got good stuff out of Perisic on the early part of the season. He was good for the odd assist, but he got toasted consistently on the defensive end. That was unfortunate. Uh, Basuma barely played, and I think part of that to me was on Conte. Um, And so some of these go back to Conte not playing guys, Conte playing them in the wrong position, Conte not looking at a guy like Jed Spence at all. Like, I just feel like we got, we didn't get enough out of any of these guys, I think, to consider them like a flying success. So to me, then overall, the the window in retrospect was disappointing. We were all pretty excited about it. Obviously, I think Richarlison was the big name. I think... We also talked on this podcast about what Perisic would be able to provide from a creative standpoint. I think one of the big takeaways from the 21-22 season was just the lack of creativity and our inability to create goals. And so I think that was something that we were thinking, okay, if you have Perisic on the left side, you have Jed Spence on the right side, guys that like to bomb forward, guys that like to create, Richarlison, who we know has a nose for the goal, uh, maybe we'll see a little bit more. And it turns out that scoring goals wasn't actually much of our issue at all. Um, they didn't contribute as much as maybe we thought they would have. But what two years ago was probably a problem with creating goals, this season was a problem of being able to keep people out of goal. We scored 70. We gave up 63. So although we were, I think, fifth in the league in goals for um, we were like towards the bottom of the league in goals against. So now instead of looking at forwards and people that we need to create goals, I think now we're looking at all the gaps that we have defensively. I, I think the issue and Jesse alluded to this is the fact that like, we, do, we still don't know what system we're going to run. We don't know what profile we're going for because we don't have a director of football. And so it feels like there is just a lot of questions and way more questions than there are answers. Let's play a little pie in the sky. What would you want Spurs to look like going into next season? Kim, if, if, if you had your choice of it, if you were um, manager for the year, maybe not you directly, but just thinking about the profile that we have, thinking about the players that we have, thinking about what you might want to reinforce moving forward. Like what would be your plan of attack going into this summer? Um, honestly, that that's like really just depends on what the club is willing to do because you can, as a manager, I'd probably want to be more progressive, you know, play with the ball more I want some probably like two center backs but I I like to like think of things realistically but you said pie in the sky so pie in the sky I'd I'd want two center backs I'd probably want to play it back four I want an actual well we have an actual right back but I'd probably be paying like Poro in midfield um instead of playing him as a a wing back 
we probably never see back anything anymore anymore. Um but yeah, I'd have to you'd have to move on guys like Sanchez and Dyer. Um so you'd scrap Hugo. the wing back system and you'd go to a back four. I think so. Um Do you keep or, at least be, or at least be fluid. Um but I mean to me like the back three is fine, but maybe maybe you use that as a way to to move to a back four. But I think I'd probably prefer us to play a back four than a black back three. If we had better center backs, we'd, we'd be playing a back four. <laughs> yeah. Is Emerson our, our starting choice uh, right back in the back four? 100%. I know that, yeah, there was a lot of talk earlier this year about how he just wasn't in a great system with Conte, obviously, being expected to do so much on the offensive side, which I think I agree with because he, he definitely seems like a good defender. Um, it'd be interesting to see him, how he would, you know, how well would he flourish at his actual position. I mean, I, I think I think the biggest question mark in terms of back three versus back four is have we invested too much into a back three system? Um, thinking about someone like Poro, someone like Spence, two guys that really can't defend, and if they aren't playing as wingbacks, might not really be as useful. Um, Udogi is a big question mark. He looked really good this season. We haven't seen him play in England yet. I just wonder about switching there if you're then throwing some of the expenses that you paid for the past year and a half out of the window. We've invested a lot with wingbacks, but we have not invested a lot with center backs. <laughs> and I'm still curious, why did we go for Poro when it seemed like everybody knew that Conte was probably on his way out in January? Like, I'm, I'm curious as to why we would – do they uh, – that, that's where you need a director of football. And that's where we have like a, a bit not very coherent overall strategy is we can't plan for the future because we're playing you know, one manager 18 months at a time, basically um, where, yeah, I, I think it was good. It's going to cost us a lot though, to get a couple of good center backs. And even if you got two in, that's only, that's, that's enough to play back three with what we have with Romero so far, essentially. And, and then, you know, I don't know if they're actually going to to sign Longley on a permanent. It sounds like they could get him for cheap and that there would some, be some continuity. I don't love the idea, but that's probably a position we're thinnest at. Um, as far but as even back, like back what you're overall, saying there, even what you're saying there goes back to this idea of continuity and or, or really the lack thereof. Right. Like if you're switching your manager every year and a half, right. then that also means that you're switching your transfer strategy, which means players that you got two years ago are no longer useful. And then you're constantly just hemorrhaging money in the transfer window because you're playing a new system every couple of years. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. We definitely need to figure out what system we want to play at least, at, at least high level. I, I, I think that, I think though that I'm with Kim overall is that I want to be flexible enough to be able to play with a back four or a back five or back three, however you want to look at it. Um, I mean, Poach did that pretty routinely that was one thing that, that i really liked about poach is that he was flexible positionally reformation wise where he would he seemed to play to our team's strengths like when we had no midfield he just had our center backs you know go route one over the top to kane and son when we had you know um more strength in our forwards is when we played more of a back three and, and lighter in the midfield you know it he, I would like, I would love to have that flexibility back that we could switch, especially in game to, to playing with the midfield two, midfield three, back three, back four, you know, playing with a front three or front two, or even just with Kane up there by himself. Um, I think that that would benefit us, especially 
I mean, obviously in-game would be one thing, but the teams play in a lot of different styles, obviously, in the Premier League. If we get good at, like how it, with Conte, all we could do was counterattack. So we actually look pretty lethal against some of the better teams. City would be a great example, whereas we we really couldn't break down teams that, that wanted us to have possession. Um, and I know that that's always going to be difficult, but again, I... I think we just want flexibility. So to the original question of, of what we'd want, if you could t- t- get anything, I think the, the center backs are the main priority. We had talked about this uh, a couple episodes ago, but center backs, goalkeeper, and then a creative mid. Those are, those would be my main priorities. If we can get two center backs, a good goalkeeper, and then a creative midfield, I really think that could help our team a lot. Obviously we'll see what happens with Kane and son. If something does happen, I think we'll need to make some moves there because Having just with Charleston and Kulisewski is pretty scary. I really don't know what's going to happen with either Kane or Son. I, it doesn't look like we're prepared to sell him. It looks like Spurs are, are willing to, to let the contract run down and, and let him be a you know free agent or free transfer. It, it's what it's looking like. I, I, I don't see why Kane would sign a new deal unless he just wants to finish his career with Spurs. He's got no motivation other than loyalty at that point and, and, and to uh, get that record. He wants to stay well, yeah, I don't think either one of those guys gets sold this summer. I don't think, just based on the history of our our ownership, they have not really shown a lot of uh, willingness to do that. I mean, you have the situation with Bale um, and Modric, of course, but um, I think we've probably held on to guys too long more often than we've moved on for them for the purpose of like just trying to make a quick buck, um, especially with Kane being everything that he is for this team, for this club, for the history of the club. Um, I I get the sense that it's probably more likely that we hold on to him for another year and cross our fingers than it is that we sell him this summer to try to recoup some money. Like I think even keeping him for an extra year is probably worth more than whatever you'll make, especially if you're not really sure how you're going to replace him anyway. Yeah. Unless there's some Godfather offer that, that United comes out and is like, yeah, here's 150, you know, we want Kane uh, or something that, you know, the stuff that, that city that we thought city was going to do a couple of years ago, but they ultimately, you know, lowballed. Um, but yeah, I don't see, I, I think it, it, for all those reasons you said, we, I see us letting him go on a, on a free at the end of the year. And you just hope that like we capture some sort of magic without yes, champions league football. Maybe we <laughs> actually get close enough in the FA cup. And my last year prediction comes through this year. And then Kane's like, Oh, hey, great. I mean, the, the, so the army argument is, I forget, you know, who we've said this about with, uh, with, uh, with, um, NBA players, uh, I think we talked about with Kane a couple of years ago. Like he can absolutely go to a, a lot of teams and win a championship. Um, you know, especially if he if he decides to go international, and win a domestic he, championship. He could go to somewhere. Bayern tomorrow. Yeah, and they but and they'd win without him, and they'd win with yeah. him. You know, yeah. like the 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 we've talked about that he's he's disrespected still here. Um, you know, in in the or here in 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 England of just but like all time you know, uh, uh, club goal scorer, all-time national um, national team goal scorer, done so many great things, obviously short of winning trophies, which is a big thing. But um, I think, like, that's the thing of, like, you know, it, the, the, the levels that he would jump, you know, him winning a trophy at 
United or Bayern or wherever else won't elevate him to the level that it would if he were to, you know, stay at Spurs. Um, I think the the biggest thing that, you know, you know, the, the England success also eluding him, I think has, you know, made his, his chances more likely to leave Spurs because at least, you know, then he sort of has that, that mellow um, Carmelo Anthony thing where like, yeah, he didn't win it in the league, but he's, he was a, a, a key player or the key player on a, on a gold medal Olympic winning team in Mello's case or a world cup or euros winning um, team in, in England's case, if, if Kane were to do that. So. Well, I have a theory and Jesse, you're kind of known on the podcast as, as the, the, the ray of positivity. And my theory is that a part of the reason that you haven't been on the pod as much lately is because it's just gotten way too negative. And so now that we have you back, <laughs> I'd like to sprinkle a little bit about not too much, but just sprinkle a little positivity here. This is going to require some some real thought and some brain muscles here. So I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of round robin, but I'm going to start with you, Jesse, because you're a positive man. Looking back at this year, obviously, there's a lot of crap to think about. But what I'd be interested in knowing from each of you, and I'll start with Jesse, what was your favorite moment from this year? What was the moment from the 22-23 season that you can actually look back at positively at any point this season? Yeah, I think, you know, some of those early those early games that that um, that match week six in the group stage um, were 10 minutes oh, beforehand yeah. because of our result and other results, we were not even going through. And then all of a sudden, top in the table, never in doubt. Like that was an incredible run around the house moment. Um, in uh, I think that was like in, in uh, early November. Um, it's like right uh, before the World Cup. Not that as, was a good one. Yeah, not as high of a point, but um, but seeing uh, in the in the well, opening, well, don't take Champions them all now. Match. Don't take them all. We guys just still got to get three more. But uh, yeah, I think seeing Richarlison score what, those what, two was big. But yeah, I don't know. What I, I would team was that I against? Had to pick the one. Uh, the the Richarlison double was against Marseille, and I think the Ender was also against Marseille. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, so, you're right. Yeah, Marseille. Shout out to France. Yeah, um, <laughs> for the high points. Yeah, I think those never were, let us were some of. That was probably my 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 happiest um, moment uh, of the of the season. I think, like looking back at the season as a whole, uh, Kane. Um, Kane just being still so consistent and so deadly still throughout the year and and having his second 30 goal season, neither of which won a golden boot, which is bonkers, because I'm pretty sure those are the only two 30 goal seasons in the history of the Premier League, at least in a 38 game schedule that haven't (laughs) won uh, a a game or haven't won the boot. Kim, what about you? Let's let's hear your favorite moment from this year. I said, Jesse definitely stole mine. Um, the Richarlison double is going to be my favorite <laughs> because I was there. So, like, you – and honestly, that week for me was amazing. Being in London, we got – we. I mean, how many times did we win two games in a row? <laughs> That's sad. But <laughs> you might have to think about how many times we won two games in a row. So, like, we won those two games in a row. It was, like, early season. It was basically the beginning of September. So, like, you know, the vibes were still – Still high. Um, if not that, I would say the game against Man City probably be the other one. Um, just because like the one that we like won. At, 
I mean, yes, the one that we won. <laughs> the other one was fun, even though we didn't win. It was, yeah, the, um, not the one, not, not the one that we uh, gave up four goals in the second half. Not that one. <laughs> but yeah, that one that we won, because um, it seemed like we were like building something at that point, and then you know, next weekend was shitty, and we lost at Leicester four one. So it was like that was the moment that I felt like I was like, yeah, this team's not serious. <laughs> Well, it's funny because I was going to say something similar that my favorite moment is, is is also when I was there because I actually finally saw them win. This was my fourth time seeing Spurs in person. We lost all of the other three matches. And so to finally see them score some goals and win the game in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, sitting in the South Stand, singing for 90 minutes, And then just watching the crowd after the match, just in the concourse, just going crazy for like another two hours after the match ended. Um, That was a lot of fun. And that was also another point in the season where we won two games in a row because we followed that West Ham match um, with a win against Chelsea. So that is probably right up there. A Derby double, isn't it? A a Derby double. (laughs) Um, so yeah, the West Ham game is probably my number one and my, my, my close second is actually the early draw that we had against Chelsea Mm -hmm. simply because (laughs) I can barely remember us ever getting anything from Stanford bridge. And there was the whole crazy dust up with Tuchel and, and Conte and the contentious handshake and Romero yanking the hair in the box and, then Kane scoring that crazy header right at the end of the game to 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 share the points. That was a lot of fun. Like that was like, and it was early enough in the season where I was still excited about what this season might become. So for me, it's it's between it's between the West Ham win and the Chelsea draw. Ben, what about you? Man, that's it's pretty tough to come up with best best moments from this season. Uh, I'll tell you, it was not the the most recent Newcastle game. It was definitely not that one, or the <laughs> right. or the string of games we kept giving up two or three goals within minutes. Um, now, I think actually my favorite would be the sunny hat trick against Leicester earlier this year because that was uh-huh. when things still seemed bright. Everything has to be from like September, or else the domes doesn't count as a good season. <laughs> but yeah, that was when when Sunny looked like he was about to get off, off you know off his bad streak, which was only a month long at that point. Had a hat trick. What did we? What was that? Five? I can't remember what the score was in that game. It was six two, and six that was two. September seventeenth. Yeah, and so I, I remember that. That was like out. twenty minutes. And I was I was in Copenhagen at the time. I remember watching that game, and it looked like Sonny was actually breaking through. Everything still was. Everything was still positive from our summer from Conte having changed everything last year. So it was all vibes at that point, all good vibes. And then it was just a good game, and it's always fun to beat up Leicester too. So yeah, that would be mine. So now that the season is finally in the books, um, we finished outside of Europe, like I said, eighth place, which is a four-position drop-off from the previous season, and probably the lowest that we've finished in the league in, in some time. I should have looked this up beforehand, but... Yeah, I, I think it is. I think... It's been at least five or six years. I think it was the lowest since uh, 07, 08, or 08, 09. I had it up Goodness. earlier. All right. Well, there you go. So that's like, what, 13 years? Um, 
not a great season. Uh, 38 games played, 18 wins, 14 losses, and six draws. So we won just less than half of the games what this, played. What would this season have been like without our set piece coach and without some of those early results, too? Like we really could have been bottom half this year pretty easily. And Kane scoring 30. Like, I mean, we had a lot of things break right for us even somehow and, and ended up in this position. Well, the irony of it is we finished the season with 60 points. Villa finished seventh with 61 and Brighton finished sixth with 62. So if we turned one of those losses into a win, we would have been in the Europa League, which is crazy to think about. But that's Maybe how close back to back blown leads against Southampton and Everton in the, in the 90th plus minute. And we just were like, no, we're going to only play for 89 minutes. One of those would have been nice. I mean, any of them, any of them. Um, And then even looking at the table from last season, we finished fourth with 71 points. But our 60-point total from this season would have had us finish sixth last season. So it seemed like not only did we drop off, but a lot of teams actually got better. So it was actually harder to finish in the top four Um 71 points that we that we finished with last season would have actually had us tied with Newcastle for fourth, but they had a goal differential of plus 35. So we would have finished fifth. So thinking about the season now that it's over, um, I guess my other round robin question would be what grade would you give if you were to grade this like a like a teacher in class? What grade would you give to the 22-23 Tottenham Hotspur season? Ben, let's start this one with you. A, a D, probably. I mean, I don't know. You can't, can't quite go F, I guess, because, uh, I don't know, maybe what, you would just give him an F. I mean, it, it's as <laughs> bad as it could have been. I, I Other than, obviously, getting relegated or just having an even worse finish, but it's hard to imagine having more of a disappointing season just because of, as Jesse was talking about, the excitement last summer after it just seemed like everything was on its way back up. Um, and then to even start the season where we're just, we're getting results, but we're waiting for things to start to click. Man, it was just a D minus maybe or, or an F. I, I can't give them any higher than a D, that's for sure. I guess I'll give them an F. <laughs> I'll stick with that. All right. It's a tough curve. Kim, the thing, all right, real quick, it is a curve, though, right? It's what's what we expected versus what they obviously in the Premier League, they're a C, right? But I'm saying for what we expected Spurs to be this season, they're an F. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I guess for that reason, I'd probably give them a D. Um, because, yeah, I'd probably say a D based on expectations and also performance. So, like you said, Performance-wise, we've we've been just so-so, just decent, you know, giving well, us Well, last season was goals. probably an A, right? I mean, I mean us finishing yeah. in the top four and, and kind of going on a win streak, which is unheard of this season. But that's what made this season so – because if we had just finished last season even fifth or sixth, this season would just be like a C probably or a D. But because of the way expectations got – got raised so significantly at the end of last season and then through the summer where it looked like we were finally making all the right moves. That's the reason to me. It's just, yeah, extremely disappointing season. So Professor Kim, I guess my question is, 
How does an A student turn into a D student in a year? <laughs> I mean, like, how did this season happen? You got contained. <laughs> like, I, I, that, that's, that's the only, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, where we were in November of last year, we were not looking great, but, you know, at least that happened in the beginning of the season and we were able to recover from it, but it just seemed like this season just never got off the ground <laughs> in like earnest. I don't really feel like, and yeah, we, we wound it up. We wound up in, in the top half of the table for most of the season, literally based on the work that we did in the very beginning of the season. Yeah. And so it's, it's like that kid that fails their senior year because they did it, you know, up until they had to submit their application, they're like, I'm killing it. And then as soon as they get accepted to college, they're like, all right, whatever. Like, I'm good. It seemed like that was our, that was our year. Senioritis for Spurs. I mean, I, that's kind of what it felt like, honestly, like, you know. The, the funny thing about Conte is I feel like when we signed him, we were already kind of talking about the fact that this was going to be like two years at most. He leaves every club that he joins on a bad note. It never lasts that long. And the, the hope was if he can at least maybe win us something before it all turns to crap, then it'll be worth it. Mourinho's similar, but I think with Conte, it was even a shorter leash. And we were all expecting it to not last very long. I think what was so disappointing about this year is not just the way that it ended and the, the rant after Southampton, but I think for large stretches of this season, his coaching seemed disinterested. Um, and, and, and I'm not just talking about running around on the sideline and jumping into his assistant's arms when we score goals like that. That's part of it. But I think personality-wise, but also just the way that the team was set up, it, it felt very uninventive, uninspired, and it, it felt also like he was going through the motions. Some of the passion that he was showing, not only on the sidelines, but even in press conferences, seemed missing. And I think it would be one thing if he came to Spurs, he was there for a year and a half, he did what he could, and then it all blew up in the end. But it did feel like he was kind of sleepwalking through a lot of this past season. And I think the team ended up sleepwalking through a lot of the season as a result of that. And not to say that, like, this entire season is Conte's fault. I don't think that's really the case. The players obviously have something to do with it as well. Um, but I do think a lot of where our expectations were at the end of the previous season had to do with Conte. And so a lot of what we were expecting and leaning on had to do with him. And he didn't really, he didn't really show up the same this season for me. And, and I think that had a lot to do with why we weren't as successful. Yeah. I mean, how do you go from an A to a D is in part expectations, um, which we talked about a lot, but then also, you know, the, the, the stuff that happens, um, you know, that we don't see also, uh, you know, yeah, Conte didn't feel like he brought his best in, in attitude or, or, or approach a lot of the times, but, um, 
you know, losing a guy that was so key to the culture. I don't, I haven't looked at like the, the, the pre and post, um, uh, training coach I, whose name escapes me unfortunately that but uh but our coach who died who had been with Kate for years Gianni. and years and, and like no, all no right that's what I kept thinking not Gianni Vio oh, but right. uh like a guy that has been such a key part of the culture and seasons are long and 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 someone that that is is so important you know emotionally and spiritually um uh to people that there's there's so so many there's again there's so many competitions there's so much um, time together and losing somebody like that can have such a profound impact. I haven't looked at like the the pre and post death, but it, it feels a little bit like around the time when we started to really struggle and not because like of the, of the fitness necessarily levels that, that he was the, the program he was, that he had there, but just the emotional um, void that was left or the, the, the togetherness that he brought to the team potentially because it seemed like it wasn't just Conte I'm, I'm hurt but it was like to a to a man it felt like every player was just like man like you weren't in my life for very long but but the impact that you had on me as a person and a player and as his team were so great so you know having that and, and then to say you know to, to that can be such a profound impact um uh Ben dropped in the chat I'm gonna pretend i'm the only i uh, think italian american on the chat so i should be able to be the one that would, who should do this the best but i'm setting myself up for pressure here but uh john <laughs> perro ventrone um uh yeah i mean that that was a, a that's a profound loss and that can really hurt a, a team that's um you know any team is somewhat close-knit right there's obviously teams that are more close-knit but but just by the nature of you spending so much time with each other that that you know maybe a, have had a, a greater impact than any of us would would think about um, it's interesting because you mentioned fitness and it made me think about this past summer and having the guys run up and down until they puke and this whole idea that at Spurs were going to be the most fit club in the league and that we were going to be able to win games in the last 10 minutes when everybody else starts flagging Spurs are going to be able to kind of pull games out at the end of games because we're still going to have that energy and it did feel, at least in the first month or two of the season, that that was a lot of what was happening. Like we were conceding early and then kind of stealing points back at the at the end of games in the last 10 minutes, in the last five minutes in stoppage time. And then by the end of the season, it was almost the opposite, where we kind of went back to what we were doing under Mourinho, which was like dropping points late in games. And think about, you know, that Everton match. Um, the Southampton match. And so it, I, it was something that I actually kind of forgot about because it, it feels like so long ago now, but I do wonder what happened to all of that training that was allegedly supposed to make the team so much more fit. I mean, obviously you pop a world cup in the middle of the season and a lot of that kind of goes out the window and maybe that had something to do with it. But I do think that there was a difference in terms of how we were able to end games before the cup versus after. And so maybe, maybe that just kind of threw off uh, things as well. And I, I think that's a part of this season that has kind of gone under the radar. Nobody really even talks about it anymore. I don't know how many teams were affected by it, but it certainly feels like Spurs were. With that said, the season is finally over. Thank God. As we put a put a 
kind of tail end at the end of the 22-23 season. I guess the last thing to do if, if we're thinking about this as a headstone, <laughs> the 22-23 season, Kim, what are you putting as the inscription on uh, the, the 22-23 Tottenham Hotspur? How, how would you memorialize this season? I'll easily forget you. <laughs> well, you had that one oh, ready. You had that one ready. That Honestly, that I was it's it just came. It just like I just this the moment you said headstone, I was like, what would I put on there? And I was like, Yeah, this is like yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I think Any, I think mine would be my mine would be is I wish I could forget you as easily as Kim. So I feel like this, this is just gonna it's gonna gnaw at me for a little while until next next year at least. Man, I mean that's all I gotta say. I'm thankful for like the other sports that are in my life this year that actually gave me some joy because if not, I would be thinking I would be thinking about Spurs a lot more than I think I actually am. <laughs> the fact that my basketball teams figured out how to just be normal is nice. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I, I I keep thinking back. It's like Pochettino's words about the painful rebuild are just haunting me. And every time I think about Spurs, it's like that phrase just keeps throbbing in my brain. And so I, I don't know exactly what the phrase would be, but it's something along the lines of it's as painful as he thought it would be. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I typically keep a certain posture when it comes to my sports teams I don't let myself get too high because I'm always worried about something like this happening like the negative is always just right around the corner don't get too high don't get too optimistic it's gonna happen something negative is gonna happen and I feel like despite that um it hasn't helped like even even now with me knowing that this was potentially gonna happen that like, hey, last year was great. That doesn't mean we're gonna be make make it to top four again. I think even with my cautious cynicism, I guess my cautious cynicism, like I think it was even worse than that. <laughs> like I still, <laughs> I still ended up being disappointed despite not having that much optimism in the first place, which is a pretty pretty bad feet. And so I think that's where I, I land on like, it's even painful than more painful than I thought it would be. Because when I look ahead to next season, the season after that, like there isn't a lot to be optimistic about. And as a fan, it just leaves you a little dead. Like it's, it's hard for me to get excited about this summer. It's hard for me to get excited about next season because this team just feels so directionless. And maybe some optimism will creep back after we sign a DOF and after we get a head coach in. But right now, having finished the season the way that we did, leaking goals, dropping points, we're now approaching 70 days without hiring a, a new coach. It's just, it, it feels like where this rebuild is going to be for the long haul. And uh, this feels like the beginning of a painful process instead of just like this being a standalone season. It feels like a buckle your seatbelts. Uh, this roller coaster is about to drop. 
would have been cool if we'd have started it when Poach said, you know, five years ago, and we still had, you know, when Kane would have been 25 at that point instead of doing it now. Uh, my, been nice. my, my gravestone um, uh, engraving uh, would be soccer for Americans. Uh, 133, <laughs> 133 goals across 38 Premier League matches, which led the league. Um, so for all the people that are like, Hey, soccer is boring. Not if you watch Spurs, they're going to give up goals. They're going to score some goals. Uh, you're going to have a, 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 a one star player. That's going to score a bunch of them. You're going to have people that just give up a bunch of them, but, uh, yeah, led the league this year in, in goals. So, um, that's cool. Uh, you know, it's, uh, the Spurs are just doing their part to make soccer more popular in America by, uh, by averaging three and a half goals combined, uh, in each game. Jeez. Well, there you have it. We can finally put this season to bed. I think, like I said, we will be referring back to this season a lot over the course of the next few months and maybe even in the next few years because I do feel like this is kind of the true end of one era uh, and hopefully the beginning of something that could be special. But you kind of have to sink before you can swim. And I think we've been singing for a while now. We had Mourinho. We had Conte. They were kind of like those little life rafts that you get, those little orange circles that you're supposed to float on in the middle of the water. But we still didn't really figure out how to swim. And I think maybe it, it takes us kind of starting to drop down to the bottle, bottom and, and losing a little bit of our air before we start saying to ourselves like, Hey, we, we, we need to actually start doing a little bit of a doggy paddle here. So let's see, hopefully this is the beginning of, of, of something. I don't know how long it's going to take. The rebuild will be painful, but we'll get through it. So uh, come on, you Spurs. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, you Spurs.